You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, we're reading John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. In that passage it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And without, anything, without him, not anything that was made was made. And Father, we just come before you to thank you for your goodness, for your greatness, for the, what you've made around us, for the, the people, for the world, for the beauty of your creation. And Father, we thank you for the lives of the different people that you have impacted for you. Um, thank you for the graduates who have graduated and for their participation here in Salt Company and for their effect on the lives of other students college students at various campuses. Father, I just thank you for them and for their time here. Father, it's with joy that we come to you to thank you for healing for Jason, for the way that you have worked there. And Father, it's, we don't know where that goes and what you will do with that, but I thank you for what we do know right now and praise you for your goodness. Um, pray for Todd this morning as he comes up to just look at your word and to expound it and to to um, just teach us from your word. Pray that you'd give him wisdom. Pray that as he has rehearsed and gone over that, that what he has gone over will impact us in our lives. And Father, that we would grow deeper in our walk with you. Thank you for this day that you've given. Thank you for your love for us. In your name I pray. Amen. You can have it. It's your, it's your treat for doing announcements. You get to keep that. Uh, thank you, Scott and Laura, for doing announcements. Appreciate it. Uh, my name is Todd. I'm one of the elders here at Anthem Church, and uh, privileged to preach to you this morning. Um, it's that time of year, right? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And, uh, and it's also that time of year where you can't go anywhere without tripping over a calendar. <laughs> like, everywhere you go, somebody's trying to sell a calendar to you. It's like, whatever you're into, there's a calendar for you. If you're into puppies, there's all kinds of those. If you're into cats, kittens in particular. Nobody likes cats. People like kittens, though. Um, <laughs> and those are all over the place. <laughs> if you're into sports or whatever it is, there's just calendars everywhere. Um, it's like, are they, is paper free? <laughs> like, and they just printing these things off just because they had an over, uh, overage, and like, what are we going to do? Make calendars, I guess. Um, but there's just calendars everywhere, right? And all the calendars look different depending on what you're into, but all of them look the same, um, or they should. <laughs> you gotta, you're getting some really, uh, you know, backwoods calendar if it doesn't have, like, February in it. <laughs> it's like you may have gotten a deal on it, but uh, there's a reason why it was... Uh, 1% off, because you're missing a couple days there. Um, so anyways, there's calendars everywhere, right? And so calendars look different depending on what you're into and what season you're in and what you're into. If you have kids, you think of calendars differently than the rest of us do, because you think in terms of school years. You think in terms of fall, summer, spring. You think in that way. Um, 
If you have a kid in sports, you think in terms of sports seasons, like, oh, it's that season, we got to get ready for that season. It's a busy season of life for us because we have a kid in sports. Businesses think in terms of fiscal years, like they have their fiscal years coming up, and so their year might be like July to July. So they have a whole different calendar that they use. And uh, if you listen to like uh, Christian radio, you know you always know what season that it is when they're uh, when they're trying to fundraise, when they're getting towards the end of their fiscal year, because you hear more people talking than you do music, <laughs> and it's always somebody willing to match your gift for X number of dollars or whatever. So you can tell people run their lives and their calendars differently depending on what they're into. If you're into sports, you have preseason, you have postseason, you have all kinds of seasons, and your calendars are marked. And you honor the thing that you're into by telling your calendar what you want to be into, what season you're going to pay attention to. And so while all calendars are the same in one sense, they're very different depending on what you're into. It's inescapable. Your calendar will mark your days somehow. Your calendar will mark something. What, what are the important dates on your calendar? Well, on your calendar, when you buy yours, what are you going to write in there? What has to be on there? What don't you want to forget? Um, and so for the next three weeks here at, at Anthem, we're going to go through a series of Advent and our, the goal of this is to tell our calendars to honor Jesus. We're going to tell our calendars what to do. Because that's what you get to do with your calendar. You get to fill it in, write in what you want. What we're going to do here is we're going to tell our calendars to honor Jesus. And that's what Advent is. It's a season of focusing on Jesus and really reorienting our whole life, our whole spiritual calendar around him and that he is the center um, of all of it. Because Jesus is the most important person in the world. And what you think of him is the most important thing about you. I don't know what you think of him or what you thought of him prior to coming in this morning, but whatever you think about him is the most important thing about you. It will have the greatest impact on your life, on your marriage, on your kids, on your job, and on your eternal life. What you think of him is the most important thing about you this morning. And so we're going to focus on him because that is the most important thing and will have the greatest impact on you. Um, And so unfortunately, this time of year, like most people think of Jesus as like their crazy Uncle Joe. And what I mean by that is he's some guy that you don't know that well who stops by once a year to make Christmas awkward. Like, we're all trying to have fun. We're all eating good food. And then you brought up up God for some reason, Joe. (laughs) Like, we're just trying to have a good time. Like, some people think of Jesus that way. They're like, can't we just enjoy Christmas? Why do you have to bring up Jesus? He's like, well, my name's kind of in it. (laughs) You know, like, I I feel like I was invited to the party. (laughs) Like, what's more awkward, to talk about Jesus at Christmas or to not talk about Jesus at Christmas? Like, his name's in the title of the day. If your name's in the holiday, you get to talk about him, (laughs) right? It's like when I meet people with cross necklaces on, I ask them about their relationship with Jesus, and they're like, oh, I'm not a Christian. And they act like it's weird that I asked. I'm like, you're the one who started it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, you have a cross necklace on. You have a cross tattoo guy lifting at the gym. I can bring up Jesus with you. I feel like it's fair. (laughs) Um, but Jesus doesn't want to just make Christmas awkward he wants to make your whole calendar awkward (laughs) so he's worse than your Uncle Joe you just have to see here you you want to deal with him once a year Jesus wants to ruin your whole calendar if he's not a part of it he wants to make you feel awkward about your whole calendar every day not because he wants your life to feel awkward but because he wants it to feel awkward if he's not accounted for if he's not considered as part of your calendar, that should make your calendar feel awkward. And so um, we were in John um, this morning. Thank you guys for reading that. So we're going to start just by looking at John 1, 1, just the first verse here. And we're going to kind of unpack this thing. We're going to try and get to know Jesus uh, this morning. And we're going through a series of Advent. We're going to be looking at him and a title that Scripture uses of him when he, the Bible refers to him as the Word. 
And it refers to him in that on multiple occasions. Uh, it's often by John, the apostle. We have two of them here in chapter 1 and then one of them in the book of Revelation. So that's what we're going to be doing the next three weeks. So this morning it's John 1.1. 1, 1. Next week Luke will preach on uh, John 1.14 where the word became flesh. And then uh, I'll preach uh, the third week on Revelation 19 where it says the word comes back in the end. And it's, it's a title that's used of Jesus. So we're going to get to know him this morning. And um, so let's look at John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the way we're going to kind of get to know Jesus this morning here is uh, a lot of you, if you have to fill out an application for something, or if you join a social media thing, there's like standard questions. You go in for a doctor, there's always like standard stuff that you have to write down, right? We're kind of used to doing it. So like one of those first ones is, you know, your name, right? It's like that's right out of the gate. Like who are we dealing with here? Apologize for my handwriting. I'm doing the crazy all caps thing, so I'm yelling at you. for some reason. Um, and so like the first thing is out of the gate is your name, right? Whenever you fill out any kind of media thing or application thing, they want to know what your name is. So what's, what's Jesus' name here that John introduces us to? The Word. His name is The Word. Like, that's a weird way to introduce somebody, right? Like, that that's kind of sounds more like a, a rapper's name. <laughs> like, it's, Jesus is like, he's The Word. <laughs> um, word up. Um, and so, <laughs> so, it's, so why, why introduce him that way? Because all the other Gospels, you know, when they, when they think about Christmas, they think about Bethlehem. They think about wise men. And your nativity set has all those things. It doesn't, have a, it doesn't have just a thing that says the word on it. But when John introduces us to Jesus, and when he wants to talk about Christmas, he starts with calling Jesus the word. So I've got a couple of reasons why I think he does that. One of them is because Jesus' story doesn't begin at Christmas. Did you know that? Like Jesus was born at Christmas. That's an important part of his story. But he wasn't born, he didn't come into existence at Christmas. He existed before Christmas. He existed before the creation of the world. Did you see that? It says, in the beginning was the word. And that's not just in the beginning of his story. He's saying in the beginning of all stories, before any story was ever started, there was Jesus, who was the word. And when he was uh, in the 4,000 years prior to him being born in a specific city, he didn't have the name Jesus. People waited for him. They knew that someone was coming. They knew that the second person of the Trinity was going to visit them, but he didn't have a name. And so the word is like a title for who he would have been, I guess, or referring to him prior to being actually born. And so John uh, wants us just to say, like, before we knew who Jesus was, God knew him. Before we knew his name by Jesus, he was around and doing things. And so it's the word is how he introduces him because he's introducing the pre Jesus, the Jesus who lived before he was born. The second reason why I came up with here is the, the word is the way that God gives life. God uses his word, and he works through his word. His word does not come back void. It accomplishes what he wants it to. Jesus' or Jesus's word, God's word, is how he does things in the world, how he orchestrates the world. And we see that even all the way back in the very beginning. In Genesis 1, I have it up here um, on the screen for you, so you don't have to turn back. But it's going to sound very familiar to what John is saying, because John is wanting you to think back to the beginning of all beginnings. So look at Genesis 1, 1, 2 on the screen. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So right now, at this point in the story, you have a dark world. God made it, it's sitting there, it's empty, it's without form, it's void, darkness is covering it, and then look at the very next verse, Genesis 1, 3. I have it up on the screen. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Because whatever God says happens. 
God's word is as powerful as done. If he says it, it will happen. Guaranteed. And so Jesus is the word of God. God created everything through just saying something. Everything is just dark and void. And what does God do? He says something. He doesn't scoop up a bunch of you know, uh, particles in space and then form them into something. He's not like my son Atticus who can like, come across a box of Legos and build awesome things. He makes it out of nothing. He doesn't need anything to begin with. All he has to do is speak and things happen. Things move, life is made, and things are created. And so Jesus is the word of God. He is the thing, the mechanism by which God created everything. And God's word is as good as he is. And that's the third reason why. We remember when we went through James, we just got going through James, we finished that. Um, that's normally what we do here at Anthem. We pick a book of the Bible and work our way through it. In James, we talked about how you, you are your words. What you say is who you are. What comes out of your mouth is revealing who you are. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Jesus is that for God. Like Jesus and God are the same thing. The Father and the Son are synonymous. Your words are who you are. And so Jesus is not gosh. Jesus is God. (laughs) Not gosh. You know what gosh is, right? It's the thing that's kind of like God. It's the thing you can say when you want to say God, but you don't want to really say God. (laughs) It's the thing when you're surprised and you're a Christian, so you say, oh my gosh. You say that because you didn't say God, you said gosh. Jesus isn't gosh. He's not kind of like God. He's not like the gist of like who God is. He's not roundabout. He's not like a tweet. He's not limited to 144 characters. Like, well, if you could just boil Jesus or God down into Cliff Notes version, what am I working with? Jesus is God. And the reason why Christmas is awesome is because God came to visit us. Not just somebody like God or somebody who's like, gets to represent God, or he's kind of like him, God himself came down. God himself came. And I look at Hebrews 1, verse 3, to punctuate this point. I have it up on the screen for you. In case you want it clear from Scripture, it says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the full brightness of who God is. He's not God on a dimmer switch. He's not mood lighting. He's not like, oh, that Old Testament God was scary. (laughs) Give me one that's like, turn the lights down, light some candles. Like, he's not God on a dimmer switch. He's the full brightness of who God is. He's the full radiance of who he is. And he's the exact imprint of his nature. He's exactly the same. And and then in Greek, it's it's the word for like an engraving tool where you make like a mold and then everything is exactly the same over and over and over again. Like you make coins or you make something and it always has to be exactly the same. And what he's saying is, Jesus is the exact same character and substance that God is. That's the word nature. It's the exact imprint of his nature. They're the same substance. They're the same thing. Jesus is God. And so back to our application. So that brings up an interesting question. Then when you come to this part of the, um, you know, uh, I'll just do DOB for date of birth. When you get to this part of a social media thing, you're like, how does Jesus fill this thing out? <laughs> uh, so look at John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. What's his birthday? In, well, that's bad writing. In the beginning. I type for a living. <laughs> When's his birthday? In the beginning. That's a lot of candles. I don't know how to make that cake. <laughs> uh, that banner just keeps wrapping around the room. Like, happy birthday. <laughs> and many more. Like, it just keeps going. Like, that's a lot of birthdays, right? Like, we measure our days by how many times the earth orbits around the sun. Every time that passes the finish line, you get another candle on your cake. But what do you put 
when you exist before the earth and the sun, <laughs> like what you put for our date of birth, when you existed before, when you made the sun, when you made the earth, what's your date of birth? In the beginning. Jesus existed before the beginning of anything. He's God. One of the most essential qualities of being God means you don't need anything else. You just are. And that is who Jesus is. He told us much in John 8 where he says, before Abraham was, I am. He just, he just is. He just exists. He just is who he is. And now my, 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 my worry is that when you guys see this, your temptation is to think, oh, that sounds really old. Like, if you've been around that long, you're old. And the problem with that, I think, is because what we think of when we think of old. Like, when we think of old, we think of wearing down, getting tired, you know, burning out. <laughs> like, things are falling apart. <laughs> things aren't the, the old gray mare. She ain't like she used to be, is what my mom always used to say. <laughs> and, uh, like, you're just like, things are winding, they're grinding to a halt. We think of that because we sin and we get old and things break down and things rust and decay. And so when we think of Jesus, we think, in the beginning, that sounds very old. But I want you to change the way you think about it. Jesus is not old. Jesus is eternal. And that's a huge difference. Jesus is not old. He's eternal, which means he is an endless supply of life and excitement and joy and abundance and anticipation. And that's why, like, when we think about Advent, we think about the season where God came to visit us. Think about who it was that came. God himself, the eternal God who has all life and joy, who never gets sick of looking at sunsets because he does it all the time. He doesn't have to. The sun doesn't have to rise, but God likes it. He's an endless supply of excitement and appreciation and joy and life, and he does it over and over and over again. He's not old. He's eternal. Look at Colossians 1, 16 through 17. I have it up on the screen for you as well. Talking about Jesus, it says, All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, this is really important, so listen here. You are not from nowhere, here for nothing, and going nowhere. Sometimes you might feel that. Some people have told you that. You are not from nowhere. You are not here for nothing. And you are not going nowhere. You are made from Jesus. You are made for him. And everyone has a date where we will meet with him. Jesus is the author and perfecter and creator and sustainer of all things. You see that? He didn't only just make stuff. He holds it together. So he didn't just make it and sit it down and walk away. He is actively holding everything together this very moment. In the power of his hands, by the power of his word, he holds the world and everything in it together. You are not from nothing. You are from him. You are not here for no reason. You are here for him. That's why you are here. And you are not just going nowhere, meandering off into the distance. You have a date to meet with Jesus. You are for him and you are going to him. Why does this matter? Others will admit that Jesus became great. Others will say that he became great. Like Mormons will say he was born a man who became God. He became something great. He started off just like us, but he became great. If you uh, listen to the, the teachers of Islam, they will say he was a man who became a great prophet. He rose to the ranks of the greatest of prophets. If you listen to the Eastern thought, he was just a man who became an enlightened one, a great uh, wise scribe who could be trusted, who lived out uh, things and was very reliable. He's a good teacher. And if you listen to the secularists, they'll tell you the same thing. He's, he was a guy who was a really great guy. 
Like he became a great guy and gave us a great example of what selfless love looks like. But listen, the, the Christian religion does not say that. It says Jesus is great. He did not become great. You got the, you got the order wrong. He is great. He became lowly. That's the God we worship. Not a God who, who showed us how to do it and rose to the ranks and got all the right promotions and did all the right things and became something great. God is great. Jesus is great. He's strong. He became weak. He's famous and he became insignificant. The God we worship is great. He doesn't become great. He starts that way. And look at what the other verses that the Gutwein's read for us, two through five. I have them up on a slide for you. John keeps going after he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. That, 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 that capture all of it for you? All things were made through him. And in case that wasn't enough, you're like, well, was there anything, anything else? Oh, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is not made. Could John be clearer? Is there any confusion with that, like, that grammar whatsoever? Nothing was made without him, which means everything that is made is him. So Jesus is creator. Everything else is created. Jesus is on this side of that equation. And on this side is God, and everything else is over here. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Back to our application. Uh, so name, date of birth. You know, the next question is like, well, where are you from? Like, that's one of the things you always have to fill out, right? Where are you at? What's your current location? Where's your residence? Uh, look at John 1.1. Where does it say Jesus? Where's he from? Where does he live? Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was where? Where does he live? With God. Well, that's confusing. Now, I thought Jesus was God. That's weird. <laughs> so he lives with God. Jesus is God. We worship the triune God. We worship the, the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One person, or one God, three persons. It's one of the first things I teach my kids. Even Rocco, who's three, can be like, Rocco, how many gods are there? He's like, one God with his pudgy little toddler fingers. I love it. I love toddler hands because like, their knuckles go the wrong way. <laughs> like, and you can always tell like, when a kid's getting older because then their knuckles stick out like bones. But when they're kids, they, like, they're like mitts and they're like indentations. Because <laughs> it's like, just look. Next time you see a kid, look. And you can tell like, if they're a toddler or not. If their knuckles dent in like little dents in a marshmallow... <laughs> He's a toddler. If they're knuckles, then they're growing up. Um, so when I ask Rocco, how many, how many gods are there? One god. That's one of the things we do around our table all the time. How many persons are there, Rocco? Three. <laughs> and who are they? And he'll say, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Fitbit. <laughs> he's, he, he's close. He's getting there. <laughs> We're working on that one. Um, but so where, where, where does Jesus live? He lives with God. Like, that's where he lives. He lives with God. If you want to send, uh, you know, Jesus' mail, send him wherever God is. He'll get it. Because uh, him and God get their mail at the same address. Um, and so, so that's where Jesus lives. He lives in heaven with God. But I think when we think of, like, people sharing addresses, uh, you can live at the same address and not get a lot of face time with people. Like, some of you have roommates that you don't see. Like, if they didn't pay the rent, you wouldn't know that they still lived with you. <laughs> Or if, they didn't, if you didn't see their dishes every morning, you'd be like, I don't know, I never see that guy. I see his dishes <laughs> or his laundry on the floor, but that's all I know of that person. And uh, sadly, like, like that's the state of some of our roommates, but even worse than that's the state of some people's marriages. It's like you get your mail at the same address, but other than that, there's not a lot that you guys do together. 
but you share an address. You know, you're, it's on the books. You share an address. That is not the way that Jesus lives with God. He doesn't just share an address where he's kind of like has his own wing and he just kind of hangs out there and plays video games and like, dad, leave me alone. I'm busy. Like they don't just live in the same vicinity. When, when John says that he was with God, that word with is literally like face to face. Like that's what it means. He was face to face with God. Now guys, let me help you here because women immediately know what I'm talking about, but you don't know because you think if you sit side by side, you've done something with somebody. <laughs> Right? And that's how we relate. If we lay carpet together, then we've, I hung out with Scott the other night, you know, pulling nails. Like, what did you talk about? Oh, we didn't talk. <laughs> we just did stuff. <laughs> and every once in a while, one of us would, you know, say, ow, because we hit our thumb with a hammer or something. But like, and then you say, oh, I've done that before. That's hard. Yeah, back to work. Dun, dun, dun. You know, like, and, and guys do stuff like that, and we think that we've hung out because we do side-by-side stuff. And that's fine. I love doing side-by-side stuff. Or like, if, if you hang out with your, your girlfriend and you watch something on Netflix together, like, you've spent time together, but she'll, at some point, if that's the pattern, she'll say, I feel like we just need to spend some time together. Like, what do you mean? We watched Netflix for six hours. We watched a whole season of The Crown together. And uh, she'll be like, yeah, but we didn't talk because we didn't get face-to-face. That's the kind of relationship Jesus has with God. He is face-to-face. <clears throat> and like my wife and I, we have a weekly meeting where we go over calendars and we're like, what's up for the week? And then we'll sit there and just talk about what's going on with life. And I can tell you it's a different interaction than sitting side-by-side watching something on television, which is fine. We enjoy that too. But the face-to-face component is you're really connecting That's the kind of relationship that Jesus has with God. That's how he lives with him. He doesn't just get his mail at the same place. He's with him. They live life together because they're one God, multiple people, but they they live together that way. Remember just last week, um, the Christmas special, you remember what the name of that was? Yeah, I saw somebody mouth it. I was like, please remember what it was called. It's like, yes, I have short memories. Emmanuel, there you go. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Do you understand? So this is how this, why this stuff starts to make sense. And I want your mind to be blown a little bit. Jesus lives with God, but at Christmas, who did he come to be with? Us. God has that kind of relationship with the Father that he leaves so that he can spend face time with us. God with us. Like, do you understand what Jesus did at Christmas? What he gave up just to come here? To, uh, to leave that kind of situation, to come and be in our presence with us and to look us in the face and get dirt under his toenails. Like to be like, and that's what Luke's gonna talk about next week. Like Jesus was a real man. He became an actual person. And I'll let Luke expand on that more when we talk about the word became flesh. Um, but just thinking about this in terms of, of our, our, our teaching this morning, like Jesus is God who has face-to-face relationship with the Father and he left that to be with us. Um, and uh, so he left that. And now, now the next question on the, uh, the, the profile a lot of times we get is, okay, so it's like your name, where are you born, where are you from? And then the last one, you know, that they often kind of get like, it rounds it out. It's like, what do you do? Like, what do you do for a vocation? What, what's your job? What do you do? Where do you work? And that's a pretty common one. And so uh, bringing up John 1.1 1, 1 again, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What does Jesus do for a living? He's God. You're like, what would you say you do here? He's like, uh, all of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, what, like, I'm God. Like, what do you do for a job? I'm God. <laughs> Everything. I don't know. Like, what don't I do around here? <laughs> like, Jesus is God. And remember, we started off by saying what you think about Jesus is the most important thing about you. It's because he's God. 
Jesus is God, which means you came from him, you are here for him, and you are headed to him. You have a date of destiny where you will meet him. And so what you think of him is the most important thing about you. And so some of you may have may hearing that even now are just like, well, is it, I don't know how I feel about that because I'm not sure how I feel about Jesus. Either because I'm a Christian and I've been a rough patch and I don't know how things are going and I, hearing that this morning makes me more nervous than excited. To meet Jesus makes me more anxious than excited. And some of you may have come in this morning having no relationship with Jesus and you're like, I don't like that news at all. I don't, I would, I don't want that to be true. I don't want to meet Jesus. I would prefer that there wasn't a God. But there is one. He made everything. You're for him right now, and you will meet him someday. And that's what we'll talk about week three at Advent in more detail. So the question really is, is it too late this morning then? Like, have I already locked in, you know, final answer? Have I already locked in on what I think of Jesus? Is it too late for me this morning? The good news of the gospel is that it's not too late, because Jesus is a God of new beginnings. For him to be in the beginning means that he can make something out of nothing, Wherever he goes, things happen. So no matter what your situation is this morning, God can change it. Because he can make things new. He has the ability within him to make new things. And he can start new beginnings. Wherever you're at, you don't have to stay there. You are not stuck with God. God can change any situation. Look at, we're going to land the plane here, but I want you to circle back to Genesis 1, 1 through uh, 2. I have it on the screen again. Look back at the beginning of the world as, a, as an illustration of if he can do this, then he can do this for you. Look at Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The world is empty, dark, lonely, and void. And the holiday season is a time where people feel that. In a a world where people are all tinsel and Frosty the Snowman, hearts secretly retreat to their homes in despair and sadness. While the world is dancing and singing, many people, this brings out the hardest part of the years for them. Either because of family drama, having lost a loved one that won't be there this Christmas, like, Christmas is often a time where this is where the state of people's souls, while they're out buying the, the good deal on the 90-inch flat screen, inside they're feeling like, is, what's the point of any of this? It's just another Christmas. It's just another thing I have to go to. I'm so tired. I'm so worn down by it all. But did you see that that world had one very important thing going for it when we look at that world that's sitting there? The Spirit of God is hovering over it. God is near. And as bad as it is, wherever you're at, God is near. And this morning, the good news is that whatever your situation, I don't know how you came in here this morning, upset, anxious, worried, <clears throat> excited, God's near. And that's good news. God is near. And wherever you're at, this, you're at this morning, it's not too late because God is near. Because look at the very next thing he does. We, we looked at it earlier, Genesis 1, verse 3. Into that world, into that situation, a lonely, dark empty situation. What does God do? And God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Jesus is a God of new beginnings. He can light up any darkness. Any corner of darkness can be lit up by him. He's the source of life and light, and the darkness has not overcome it, and it never will. Jesus' kingdom is growing and spreading, and people are believing and coming to love him and worship him for who he is, the God who is the word of God. Him and God's words are synonymous. He's from the beginning. He made you. 
He's with God, and he left that for a season to come be with us so that we could go up to him. He became low to make us great in his sight by trading places with us. And so when we celebrate communion, as we respond to the hearing of the word, I want you to uh, see in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, that the Apostle Paul makes this exact same connection between the beginning of the world and the power of Jesus in your life right at this moment. Look what he says. Paul says, God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, referring back to the beginning of all time, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What happened at the beginning of all time can happen in you. A dark, void, empty, lonely world of earth and water, which is basically mud, can be brought to life and light just by the presence of Jesus being spoken into it. The, the, the joy of Christmas is that that light has visited us and came down to us. Not to reveal to ourselves that we always had light the whole time. You just need to believe in yourself. Yay! No, light came to visit us, a dark world, and he has shone into our lights, and by faith in him, he shines into your heart. And what happened in that world that suddenly burst into life, and all of a sudden, all kinds of things were happening, birds and animals and waterfalls, sunsets, all because Jesus spoke, can happen in your heart. And so as we celebrate communion, we celebrate the fact that the light came down and that the darkness has not overcome it. We're not celebrating the death of a, of a good man this morning. We're not celebrating the death of a great man. We're celebrating the life of a God who lives. Communion is a, is a time to remember that Jesus didn't stay dead. We celebrate this meal because he instituted it and said, I'm happy to meet, it. I'm happy to meet you guys again and have this meal again someday. Do this until I come back. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a party. We're going to have this meal together, and you won't need bread and, and a cup anymore because you'll have me. But in the meantime, do this. Remember what I did, knowing that you can cash that check. I am coming back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for Jesus, who is the word of God, uh, the definitive final word. And I thank you that um, you have given us that clarity of the word. Just like words are uh, clear when people speak them, you know exactly what they said and what they mean. You came down in the form of Jesus to show exactly who you were and what you're all about. We thank you that you are great. Um, we worship a God who is great. You don't need us to make you great. We sing songs about how great you are, not to increase your greatness, but for our own soul's benefit, because we're just agreeing with what is true. You are great, and you died for our sins. Thank you for this communion, this table where you set for us a reminder that you shine into dark places, and the darkness will not overcome you. Even death could not hold you. You rose from the grave, and you live now. And so help us to celebrate communion this morning and a remembrance of you and all you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen.